0: I probably became vegan in, like, the early 2000s, and so I was like, do you have, what do you have for, like, vegetable options, and they're like, I don't really know, and I was like, what about this pasta, could it just be without the meatballs, spaghetti without the meatballs, and they're like, well, the the meat is in the sauce, so you'd, it would be just, like, plain dry spaghetti, and I was like, mm. and then I looked at the back, and I was like, oh, hey, uh, you have pizzas, and they're like, yeah, and, the, and so they have... They're like, we don't really have vegetables. And I looked at the pizza toppings and they had, you know, onions, mushrooms, uh, you know, olives and uh, peppers. And I was like, you guys have vegetables, you just call them pizza toppings. Uh, (laughs) Something like that. There's uh, people really are not into it sometimes, isn't it? Really.
1: Yeah, definitely tune in for the fact that it's the Gush cast. <laughs> uh, I have hit record as well. I just bring it in after the theme okay. at some point. Uh, and it's it, honestly how we've been talking already, that's the pod. Uh-huh. It's really just I trick I trick my friends into coming over to hang out and I make food for them, and then people such as yourself where I'm like, oh, they are a good comedian. I look up to them. I've met them once or twice. Maybe I can trick them too.
0: <laughs> uh well, I appreciate what a what a trick.
1: Yeah, yeah right. I gave it's it's a trick of a free meal. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. I mean, like, man, I would have just uh come and hung out if you wanted to make me food. We don't have to go through this sham yeah the the root there's nobody listening on the other end the wires don't connect anywhere yeah, yeah. It's,
1: i'm just all fiddling with it i'm fiddling with the board over here for no reason just to make it look
0: real it's a performance piece for one yeah that'd be incredible mm. all right thank god yeah happy to be here thank you so much the food oh, is dude. delicious if that's all you're waiting for then nah, uh, yeah good night everybody yeah
1: one minute and 30 see so yeah, we're good <laughs> no um Everybody, welcome Mike Kaplan to dinner at your place. Thank you so much. Thank you for hanging out, man, for real. Um, I'm very excited to chat with you, get to know you a little better, and then also, though, do a show tonight. Yes. Sold out. Yes. And how we were just talking, what's your bet on the breakup? It's going to be like 50, 60 people. Do you think it's going to be mostly people who know you and like you because it is Boston and you're back here?
0: Uh, I, know, I know it'll be at least... that because I have some friends coming and uh, and that is how the math breaks down. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Honestly don't know. You know, I love, you know, I, I lived in Boston uh, up until 2008 is when I moved to New York and I started doing comedy around 2002 uh, here and there Mm -hmm. a little before, but uh, I have since 2008, you know, loved returning to Boston in, in, whatever various incarnations are possible like uh we mentioned earlier uh r.i.p great scott oh, and shoot. the gas uh rob creen's beautiful show that i he would have me come up and do it i mean sometimes it could have been like three four times a year just like headline it and it was just such a comfortable uh vibe just to i would you know just some try out brand new things, mm-hmm. like riff, like be in the moment, experiment, try, like, didn't, you know, it, and it was, it felt like, you know, people were paying five bucks or something. Yeah, and I think, so, yeah, I think it, at the most it ex- got up to ten, excuse and I might me, not I even. Excuse paid for <laughs> a man to not look at a piece of paper once. Yeah, that's um, such not the case for <laughs> the gas. Suspense, well, yeah. I loved it. I recorded an album there, uh, and it was just even that album was just one night of a but I had a piece of paper of like I want to do thi- these jokes have never been recorded yeah. uh and I'm it was to record them here
1: at this place it was
0: uh, it was incredible and so yeah I, I mean I also you know I started out at the comedy studio mm-hmm. which is as we speak uh, in between yeah. locations i hear to return imminently um but that's uh, what's been said yeah. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's always, you know, yeah. when people say like I'm in between jobs, well that's optimistic, you know. <laughs> uh, I hope you are. That sounds great. Um, I believe in you as well. So yeah. they're in between locations, <laughs> as far as we know, aspirationally, optimistically. Um, but yeah, in the very first time I ever performed anywhere, comedy-wise, yeah. was at the comedy studio. Uh, in been,
1: 08 then, yeah?
0: Uh, '08 oh, 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 is when you moved, right? Yes. Okay. So I actually was on the comedy studio stage the first time in 1999, wow. my senior year of college, uh, right when I turned 21. Uh, and I, I was aiming to do music as a career at that point. So, uh I had I called the number uh, that I found online by asking Jeeves or <laughs> however you did it pre-Google, Yahoo, Hotbot, etc. It probably might have been Ask Jeeves. It could have been. And I I just I like searched for like, you know, clubs Boston yeah. and you comedy know, uh, near me. I didn't, I, well, I wasn't looking for comedy. I oh, was, that's, yeah. I, I was looking yeah. for music yeah. venues to perform in. Cause now I could get into them. Right. Yeah. Uh, due to being a 21. Age. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I call, I found, you know, the comedy studio popped up as a club. Uh, I'd never heard of it and had never been to a comedy club per se. I'd been to one comedy show with my parents when I was a child in, uh, I always forget. It's probably the Catskills. Like, we would vacation in the Catskills or the Poconos, like, you know, various mountains. Do you remember who you saw? Uh, I 100% remember who I saw. I remember the headliner was a magician whose name I don't know, but I remember one of his tricks that was a lot of fun that I've seen other magicians do since because uh, comedy, only so many. comedy is more magical than magic. <laughs> and uh, love magic, big fan <laughs> of magic. Such a good point. Mm hmm. That's... I mean ma- magicians like there is an explanation for how they're doing what they're doing <laughs> comedy there's no explanation yeah comedy is Surprise. magic. We, yeah we, magic we is snuck into your brain yeah, science that we just don't understand yet which seems like magic someone with quick hands exactly or you know just some psychological training yeah. uh, I mean it's it's impressive it's beautiful it's yeah. an art it's a craft I my sleight wa- of hand yeah yeah uh slight of mind even yeah. Sleight of brain Sleight of body Elu- uh, they're not tricks they're illusions <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I think that's uh how old are you i am 29 29 so you did you watch arrested development in its first run
1: <laughs> uh when it was on tv no i watched it when it came to netflix like the first time around and so then, then they you, took it off and then brought it back for that weird and so Ford you started or something did
0: you start at the beginning of yep, it
1: then started at the beginning that
0: makes sense what a what a fascinating yeah
1: Um uh, i mean, Everyone was posting that Carl Weathers scene because mm. he passed, unfortunately. And yes. that one of him talking to uh, David Cross, they're like, Whoa, you're throwing that out? There's still meat on it. You take that home, throw a <laughs> potato, and you got a stew going, baby. Yes. That, that him is a character in that show. He's a scene stealer It's He's just
0: too good It's true Do you think that somebody on that show had him killed Because of all of the theft that was going on They're like leave some Leave some meat on the bone for us <laughs> Chase, uh, Yeah
1: Jason Bateman and David Cross Both teamed up together and put a hit out On Carl Weathers
0: I wouldn't be surprised uh, uh, Just uh, to, to cut back to reality I yeah. would be surprised That would be very <laughs> surprising If Jason Bateman who seems like a nice man Enjoy his podcast Smartless very much yeah, if he was uh, hit, uh, hired a hitman, I, or if he was a hitman, I'd be as well. Wasn't play that, one, yeah. I was gonna say, isn't that Ozark? Isn't he? Oh yeah, he sir, he he gets he gets in and over his head. You know, <laughs> it, look, he he was just a he guy. He makes yeah. some decisions. Yeah, he he. There was a sunk cost fallacy. He he could have turned back at any point, but didn't. And yeah, he ended up. Look, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, I mean that was certainly. Uh, a darker turn for his uh for, for a character uh, by sweet old sweet old Jason. I miss him from Valerie's Family, uh, a sitcom he was a child on in the eighties. Anyway, um, back I'm, to nineteen ninety nine. We yes. were looking for for looking for clubs. Yes. So I found this uh, Chinese restaurant that in the third floor does yes. comedy, and so I called the number and Rick Jenkins, the owner, and at the time sole employee employer operator uh answered the phone and i said uh can i perform my songs uh some of i'm like my songs are funny can i perform my songs in your comedy venue and he said sure you can have five minutes and uh he put me on uh anyway this is all to say yeah so i did my first set there in 1999 i probably did my second one in 2000 and my third one in 2001 one a year for a little bit thereabouts you know because i was i was not pursuing comedy at the time so you wanted to be a musician and i think i mean i i wanted to i I loved performing there and i was like happy come back anytime and he would have me maybe once or twice a year Mm. like because you know i was a tourist to comedy i was a, a hobbyist and i would bring some friends and it would be fun uh, but he, then yeah, he
1: gets to sell some tickets, yeah. you get to get it on stage and perform. Yeah. I loved it.
0: Yeah. But it, 2002 is when I realized, I discovered that there were other places to perform comedy because I had sort of, you know, <laughs> uh, re- developed a taste for in between the songs. Uh, sometimes I would talk and ah. people would respond, uh, with, uh, what's the, what do you call it? Laughter. Laughter. And yes. yeah. And that was, un- I mean, it was not what I was, I I knew that my songs like ended like usually they ended with a, a funny thing. Sure. A funny song ends with a funny thing. Great, the song works. But You get that, the applause. Yeah, song's that was over. that was right. the plan. And then it was such a, a pleasant surprise when things people laughed at things that were not the planned and i was like oh maybe i could plan for people to laugh at other times oh. and so then i made some plans for people to laugh at other times and made the stretches in between songs longer and longer made the songs shorter and shorter eventually uh i just no play, play the song at home go out to the show uh do the show only talking then go home play another song so I always do it always play a song before i head out it's not true but what if it was um, yes <laughs> I, i'm sorry i only like a prank to last two seconds tops um i want to tell you the truth uh i do like playing the guitar every day i do well that's my
1: next question so we started at college so did you grow up in boston too i did not where'd you where'd
0: you where'd you hail from thank you for i i hail i did i did i hail from or do i hail from i think i do i hail from new jersey new jersey is the place of my birth i think that's an, how you said it though do i or did i mm-hmm. do
1: you still view new jersey as home or mm. would you say you hail from new york now because that's where
0: you live you've mm. started a life there i i i honestly do not know the technical definition of hail from oh like the
1: yeah okay so
0: to like let me let me put it like this as an analogy if you said where where do you come from? Yeah, is a good question. Where did you come from? Is a different question. Good point, right? Like, hey, where did you come from? <laughs> like, that, like you snuck up on me, yeah. you know? Like, what where did you come from? do yeah. you come from? Yeah, is uh, where were you born or where do you live? State currently. your name and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kingdom. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. So I grew up in New. I I consider. Uh, like, I moved around a few places. in New- I had three mm. homes in New Jersey. All Jersey, though. And, okay. uh, but yeah, none of them were my choice. Uh, and, you know, parents de- determined and decided. And then my, I... Little Mike, what's your take on the real estate market? <laughs> Let's stay in Jersey. Yeah, my take is I thought for a long time as a child, when we first were planning a move, that you had to find someone who lived where you wanted to live and they wanted to live where you lived and you switched. That's really... <laughs> Uh, for I don't know how long I thought it, but I thought it for enough time to remember thinking it. That's a TLC uh, show. It's Trading Spaces. Uh yeah, never never seen it. I I came up with that in the 80s. Uh didn't realize. Uh but yeah, I thought that's yeah yeah, yeah you're moving, so you just just switching just it up. Houses. Like otherwise how it's like some weird, you know, like Rube Goldberg machine like you move there then they move there then they move what, who's who's going where? What's happening? Uh I don't know. I still don't really understand it. But uh, more like Surreal Estate Market. <laughs> um, the the real estate market is a night. Surreal estate market? What kingdom do you hail from? Um, so, yeah, I I chose to go to college in Boston or mm. in the Boston area, Waltham, just outside of Boston. Then Just, Boston, threw, like, threw a dart at a map and uh, said, I'm going there? You know, uh, almost. Uh, I threw a common application at various—you know, like, I— I think I applied to like, I don't know, five-ish schools yeah. and like, uh, you know, one one safety school, one reach and like three or maybe a couple more. And there was this, I don't know if it's still the same or if it is even more streamlined, but some schools, like I remember I didn't apply to Brown University because they were like, please write out your essay by hand. And I was like, Ugh. no, thank you. Uh, probably would have enjoyed going to Brown. Had some good friends that went there. Seems like <laughs> a great school. But I was like, uh, I'm just ty- I am just—I already typed it, so uh, I'm going to send it to the places. Yeah, then uh,
1: don't make me handwrite this bullshit. Yeah.
0: And so of the schools that I got into, like one of them, I could have gone to Rutgers in New Jersey for only like $1,000 a year. That would have been wow. really good. Yeah. Uh, I could have gone to Columbia for 30 something thousand dollars a year uh like then they're like we can you could have loans i'm like yeah i can have loans uh and then i went to brandeis uh which was similarly you know closer to the cost of columbia but i had i was on a half scholarship okay uh and so that was the main and i liked boston i'd been to i'd been to boston twice on trips with my summer camp Uh, and I really enjoyed Harvard square and Newbury street. And those are the places that I knew Uh, (laughs) that was Boston to me. And I still, still love Harvard square and still enjoy walking down Newbury street. It's
1: always those two. No one, like for people who move here, I've never heard it at least is like,
0: yeah, it's Harvard Square, it's Newberry Street. It's never like, yeah, I love Dorchester. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what else I like. I do like, I, I walked along the Esplanade today. Mm. Love, love the, I walked by the Hatch Shell, which is where, you know, that. The it's Hatch like, Shell? Yeah, the concert venue. Uh, It's like, oh, it's like yes. a, a dome, half a dome, yes, semicircle yes, yes, deal. Yes, yes. I believe it's it was called the Hatch Shell mm-hmm. when I was there. Um, And that is where I saw my first concert in college which was they might be giants the cardigans and morphine
1: first ever concert in general too yeah i mean
0: as a child my parents played music so i'd been to and i played in like violin recitals which technically could have been i actually did perform when i was like a a high single digit or low double digit age at Carnegie Hall, in you know, with a bunch of other little kids that wow. were in this violin program that just happened to at the end of the the season, we you performed, and once every once in a while it was at Carnegie Hall. So, you, ha- you have to have told people you've played Carnegie Hall. Uh, I haven't, as a comedian, I have opened for a couple of comedians. Oh, there so as you well. also
1: have already played Carnegie Hall? I have. I mean, you know, uh,
0: there are, there are, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Like, you know, uh, well, have your mom join you up to the right violin program. <laughs> and you don't even have to practice that much uh just, you gotta pay your dues oh you mean you have to really work at it no no you just have to pay your whatever the whatever's due uh and but yeah i i opened for i forget the one of the most memorable ones i opened for uh, Patton oswalt there uh some years ago and it was really that's, really wonderful uh
1: who i'm that's who that's the guy who made me have the thought oh maybe i should try stand-up comedy that was the guy it was werewolves and lollipops so delightful that's that's really cool that you that was the the one you named 100
0: percent. so yeah so i i so the places that i love in boston i love walking along the esplanade yeah uh i love um what's the other thing oh yeah uh i was gonna say the hatch shell is also where i saw one one fourth of july uh some you know 15 to 20 years ago there was a a concert that i feel like was the boston pops maybe directed or conducted by john williams and i feel like i don't know if i'm making this up that james earl jones also like had a speaking role in one of the pieces
1: he did now Uh, man like i said i I, i'm a trusting person i I, take your word james earl jones was there
0: i saw him do it somewhere um And I also was on mushrooms, and nice. it was just one a, a beautiful experience. Up yeah. until a hundred thousand people are, you know, leaving, and I'm like, "Oh God, there's hel- too many. Help me, help me, my friend." Yeah, and a friend, let my me friend hold Renata you. Gotta help me.
1: <laughs> um, let me hold you. I need you. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so, so I love love walking out in that area. There's a comic book store, Comicopia, that's over mm, there, cool. Kenmore Square. I like. I worked at the Barnes and Noble with the Sitco sign on it. Oh, uh, fun! For many years, when I was in grad school at BU, I lived on. Bay State Road, which is right behind, you know, parallel to Kamav over there, and so I, it's a nice, quiet little street that I actually, a little before coming here, I, I parked my car there and uh, went on a walk and talked to my friend nice. Liz and told her those things, and that's why I'm telling you. Cause that's I'm like, fine. Ah, yes, uh, um, I love hearing. These I did things. I, did a warm up. That was my open mic for this, <laughs> the main show. Uh, I love I love Alston. I love that. Th- I don't know still, but there was a time. When uh, the restaurant Grasshopper yes. is one of my favorite restaurants, right nearby, vegetarian. Yeah, uh, it's a vegan restaurant. Vegan it even. Is, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you if you don't want it to be vegan, it's just vegetarian. <laughs> Head on over. Uh, it's the best. It's, we don't have to go there. <laughs> yeah, it's also been there for decades, and there I think was, it's still there. Where did you oh yeah, I've, I've been there in the past year. So, oh okay. Yeah, okay. It's surely not on this trip, but it's a short trip. But yeah, it's one of my favorite restaurants in the world along with Masao's Kitchen that I was telling you about in Waltham. The 11.30 uh, to 2.30 spot. Yeah, the Boston. Uh, yeah, those are, those are my two favorite restaurants in, you know, certainly in the greater... You know within within 100 or hundreds of miles from here was Masa- was that also strict was that vegan or veg it is yeah all that yeah yeah 100 percent. so before we i want
1: to totally yeah. talk about that but it seems also like music is very near and dear to your heart mm-hmm. that's what you
0: grew up on my parents were music teachers uh ah. from my, i mean, so is my grandfather and i think my my other grand one other grandmother was uh she was a teacher, and she, I know she played the piano. I don't know if she taught it, but a lot of music in my family. I
1: was going to say, was it all one instrument? Was it like, we passed this piano down from generation to generation? or
0: A fine question, and the answer is no. <laughs> um, my, my grandfather, I forget everything that he played he certainly played piano and then some other yeah like wind instruments uh my mom her main instrument was trombone and then like french horn baritone horn also a bunch of brass instruments yeah. though she also plays piano and taught piano lessons as well as like she taught elementary school music so she knew how to do a lot of a little bit you know she could she was uh maybe smarter than a 5th grader at many in many individual instruments yeah. um but just like, she knew enough violin to help me get started, and then I I overtook her, because she wasn't purely a violinist. But she just has, yeah.
1: like, a, that savant attitude, almost, <laughs> of, like, I, you know, I ha- I just pick up
0: an instrument, and mm. I know. She does have perfect pitch, my mom, uh, which is, uh, if you're not familiar, that uh, the way that, you know, you can look at this table and be, like, blue and yellow, she can hear a note and tell you what note it is. Damn. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, like sight, but for sound. Um, my dad, his he was a high school band director when I was a kid, and his main instruments are, and he would teach clarinet, uh, saxophone, and flute. Uh, and then I was given the violin when I was four, in part, uh, not any of those other instruments because the violin is an instrument that you can learn more easily earlier. Um, yeah. Like, I think that some there's something about, like, they don't usually in school give you a wind instrument until uh a later single digit age like you might be seven eight nine or something yeah i
1: think it was f- it was fourth grade when i got my clarinet. So yeah. it was like eight or nine something like that yeah, yeah. but so violin, like you're three or four or whatever they can
0: sh- yeah you can do things with your hand they yeah. i started with uh a real bow but not a real violin a re it was uh a ruler taped to like a frozen vegetable box just to learn how to hold it learn how to you know put it at rest position put it in you know uh, whatever the other thing is, the active playing position. Oh my god! And oh my,
1: you just brought me back mm-hmm. so many years to band class with that of rest position, yeah. active position. I haven't thought about that since probably like eighth grade.
0: Yeah, I don't even remember if active position is the name, but it def- sounds rest, like yeah. it
1: though for sure. I, I totally remember a teacher being like rest, and mm-hmm. then li- yeah, oh yeah, rest I, position yeah. for
0: sure. That was that was it. And uh, yeah, so I played the violin from age four. Uh, went to lessons every day for most of my childhood. Also went every Saturday to a we lived in New Jersey and we would drive into usually Queens, uh, New York to shout out for Queens. Me to, we love yeah. Queens
1: on this pod. That's Absolutely. where my mom lives. Uh, we're big. We're big Queens people on rent. this pod.
0: My dad grew up in Queens as oh, well. Fine.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so that's I would go to at they would have like at a college, like a program, mm-hmm. a music program for kids every Saturday. And then there were some other ones. There was another one in another part of New York. But uh, pretty much it was like music was the religion of my home. Like religion, you know, we were like culturally Jewish, secular for the most part. Like I, I had a bar mitzvah. It wasn't, I, I could have quit uh, religious school if I wanted to. I was not, I could not quit. Interesting. Uh, so that's what music. It. My mom especially was like, you know, wanted me to love it. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know about how it works when you uh, mandate, when you force. When oh yeah, you, you know it really, it all it really kicks it into high gear. It Really makes it work. Um, yeah, I, you, the, the child totally and, loves yeah. it forever. I could not stand it. I threw tantrums. I I lay on the floor and cry. Like I hardly and I, I didn't. Not that I hardly practiced, but I certainly didn't practice as much as I was like quote supposed to. But uh, in like in high school, I. Uh, picked up the guitar. I had a friend who played guitar. I just picked oh. up his guitar, and I started, like, twanging around on it. Yeah. And with the music theory classes that I'd taken, with the, you know, many lessons and orchestras and, you know, hours and hours, like, sh- surely... Uh, 10,000 hours or more, which I understand maybe may have been debunked now, but, you know, still exists in our it's, yeah, it's a good, Yeah, it's a zeitgeist. good metaphor for a I stuff. did a lot. Yeah. I, had, I had a lot of experience under my belt, and the guitar, it's much easier. Once you know how to play violin, it's very easy to learn how to play a guitar. And so I learned, and it was joyful and delightful, and I loved it, and I started writing songs, and that is what led me to have my first uh, aspiration to call uh, you know, to become a singer songwriter and find places to perform music around Boston where I was in wow. school, hence the call to Rick Jenkins yeah. Comedy Studio. Hence uh, bringing us all the way back to from 2008 when I moved away from Boston to New York. Uh, between then and now, I would also, while the comedy studio was operational i would show up whenever i had occasion to if i was up here for a college show or you know a friend's wedding or or you know just to visit friends or whatever it it might be or to do shows uh like the comedy studio was one of my uh absolute favorite places to perform (sighs) it was great Uh, and and it will i believe it will be again uh i think it i think it's on its way i'm uh who who knows i'm a a glass totally full kind of guy um but yeah so that's uh cambridge uh boston oh yeah so grasshopper oh my Uh, god that's right i was gonna
1: say grasshopper pocket that real quick when you i want to jump back mm -hmm. for a second when you picked up the guitar Mm -hmm. was that too much of a step outside of the box that your musical mother had created for you and she was mad even about that or was she still like she was like okay at least it's still music it's not what I picked for him. That's fine. He's still in this world. I'll accept it. Or was oh. she like, no, you put that fucking guitar down now. You pick up the
0: other strings that I chose for you. Uh of those, uh, it was she was happy that I she is thrilled that I love music. I mean, mm-hmm. she really she loves it so much. It is like it is a language that, you know, Absolutely. that she speaks and loves and has you know since she was a child yeah and you know she wants to share it with you i totally i totally yeah it comes off
1: poorly but when parents are like how you you know like forcing it upon their like in theory it comes from a good place of i love this thing i want my offspring who i created to love it as well but it is so overbearing instead of how the parent found it themselves of like oh i just naturally stumbled upon this whereas I'm gonna throw it at them, the child, instead of letting them naturally find it.
0: Yeah, and sometimes you know, uh, a child might like. If I had children, which I do not, mm-hmm. and uh, never do, specifically plan to, but uh, retweet <laughs> same. Yeah. Um, if I did, like, if I were responsible for a child, like, I would want them to love. So- I want. I would want them to discover what they love, right. like what they love doing. Be it something, you know artistic creative you know performing art or visual art or any kind of art or if it were you know sport or science or you know just anything yeah Find there's your passion there is yeah like it is it is rare i can't imagine you know what it would be like uh for a person like there must be something like a listener listener out there are there any listeners who Love nothing. Ludla, who experienced zero Hmm. joy. I mean... Well, you hear people say that. I love doing nothing.
1: And you'll hear people when they're being dramatic or sad, they're like, I hate everything. Oh, yes. I I love nothing. Yeah, those are are
0: exaggerations. uh, Like a
1: person who is literally just like sitting on their couch interested by nothing.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's... like there are conditions yeah. that people can have like i mean sociopathy is one where yes. i don't know if joy is a giant thing in that department but then there's you know obviously depression and mm. uh the assorted related <laughs> the grab bag. Uh, mood, mood disorders uh but even even you know even for the, de- the people i know who are the most clinically depressed uh you know if you're not catatonic then there are things that you know there are times like it's rare for me. I I don't think I know any people in my life who have, if you're like, what name, name a time you've experienced joy that they couldn't, you know? And so I think, okay, well then uh, for, for people trying to figure out, you know, what they want to do with their life or even not with their life, if they don't want to make it their career, mm -hmm. but like how to have more joy in their life. Well, like, so I studied, I studied linguistics at BU and one of the, A powerful like paradigm that i i gleaned from and that was uh, grad school also right just because brandeis
1: was under bu
0: okay so you're studying linguistics yes this is my overgrad (laughs) um and so sometimes a, a joke that i tell uh but it is the truth essentially i will i will take out the joking parts but uh sometimes people when they hear that i studied linguistics which is the study of languages mm. they will say things like oh no please don't correct my grammar you know like you know like if you meet a psychologist like oh please don't psychoanalyze me, me. Yeah. well now i am and uh <laughs> can't can't help it yeah. uh like please don't look at you're this now blue. manually
1: yeah. breathing it's one of yeah. those deals where like don't yeah. you know don't yeah. force blink it's like
0: fuck now i have to force blink <laughs> yeah uh and so hey the,
1: listener you're now manually
0: breathing <laughs> <laughs> the reality of uh of you know the kind of the whole deal of linguistics is that it is descriptive rather than prescriptive mm-hmm. it is not about prescribing the way that people should speak it is about describing the way that people do speak yeah, uh so like one of the first classes i took in linguistics was uh it's called like the grammar of english or the structure of grammar oh, yeah. and The teacher said like on the first day, she's like, I don't care if you say ain't or split infinitives or end a sentence with a preposition or spell things correctly because it's not about it's not grammar. Like linguistics is not uh, it's about the way that a baby, you know, people grow up without knowing how to read and yet they can speak. And the way that they speak is governed by linguistic rules that nobody taught them that, you know. Like a little kid might get some things mm-hmm. cutely wrong, like I broke it or I breaked it. But eventually, a couple of years later, and it's not just because people are, you know, be like, no, it's broke, it's broke or broken, and yeah. it's not. They just the figure thing that you it said. out. Yeah, you you hear people, you know, a baby in China learn, learns Chinese. A baby, you know, uh, in France learns Chinese. You know, um, <laughs> smart babies in France uh, and weird ones and. <laughs> And so this is all to say, I think that, like, what if you're looking for, you know, what do you love? What, like, well, what... Look backwards, like look descriptively at your own experience and be like, when have you felt, you know, the most yourself, the most alive, the most, you know, like productive or fulfilled or what, however you want to feel. Did you ever feel like that? How did you ever feel at your best and your most yourself? What were you doing? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Be be descriptive about what you were doing and then strive to, you know, uh, replicate that if you wish. And so... That is how I found myself, I mean, loving the guitar. I was just like, do, do, oh, hey, this is amazing. That's how I found myself. I, I sort of descriptively, like, I've gotten to comedy. Uh, again, the joke version is because I was trying to do music and I found myself on stage saying things yeah. that people laughed. I was discovering, I was like, oh, like people are like, when When did you know that you wanted to do comedy? I was like, it was a little bit after I had begun doing comedy. Yes. <laughs> Uh,
1: <laughs> I was about to say you're on stage. Yeah. And the comedy itself is what you're not there to do. Which no, is I so didn't. interesting. And I wasn't you there just, to do comedy. You deconstructed, you described you just went backwards yes. and realized that, that those the twenty seconds or whatever it amounted to in your five minute set yeah. that you were just riffing and having fun, that's what mattered. And then you just totally flipped it. Yes. And now music do you still play you still fiddle with the guitar
0: at all not on stage frequently i
1: I, personal life oh at home yeah Yeah,
0: i have it out uh it's uh on a on a stand accessible from where i if i'm at home where i sit most of the time and so i strive my i I love to play it every day uh every day that i can yeah every day that i'm there one of those even for just you know a few plunks you know yeah have you read atomic habits I've not no that's James seems clear. Though. It's uh it's great. It's uh it, I believe it was the best-selling book in the world maybe on Amazon like yeah. in 2023 and I think 2021. Uh it's great. One of the things that it it talks about is uh, I mean it's about developing and maintaining good habits or habits mm. that you want to, you know, if you want to exercise more. It'll be like don't have like don't start with lofty goals. Be like, right. start with like a thing that's attainable. A like walk, if, yeah, or literally one push-up, like literally one jumping jack. If yeah. you do one one push-up or one jumping jack, you've exercised. And yeah. now, and it's about. I think he talks about sort of making it part of the kind of person, making it part of your identity. Making mm. it, what what kind of person do I want to be? I want to be the kind of person who exercises every day. Well. Then if I do one push up every day, then I am a person who exercises every day. It's as compared to like fake it till you make it. It's you're not faking it. You're literally making it little by little. And he says that a habit must be established before it can be improved. So just do it in the most rudimentary form possible. <sighs> I said there was a guy who wrote for the Simpsons for years. I forget his name. One of the most famous guys who like I, there was a New Yorker interview with him. And he's like, yeah, sometimes I would just like write a horrible first draft and like I have it. And then later it's much easier to go back and improve something that already exists mm-hmm. than to create it from, from scratch. Nothing. Exactly. Cause and, you can edit. That's yeah.
1: part of somebody asked me last night. They were like, how do you write a joke? And I was like, okay, you know that funny story that you go to all the time? Like what's your, what's your favorite funny story? Write that down, how you tell it, how you get the laughs. And then, just reread it a ton and be like oh i can add a funny part here that i've never thought about
0: oh yeah i, I mean can
1: cut that line that doesn't really add anything yeah, and then you do that 10 times yeah. you have a joke and yeah it's like it's that just that i was like yeah no it's it's hard but yeah that's kind of it in a way like
0: yeah, a also, certain type
1: of joke yeah but
0: it's i mean you can do it your own way the, right. That is absolutely That's what it's that's then that's the habit that you build way, on. You can yeah.
1: break but mm-hmm. you know that's the
0: how you said you can't expand
1: on a habit until you have the habit.
0: Exactly. Uh, another th- quote I like from it is something like every action that you take is a vote for the kind of person that you hope to be. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you're if you think of yourself as like I'm a person who doesn't do this, well then you're less likely to do it. But if you're like, oh, I'm a person who does, who exercises, who writes one, I'm a writer. Well, as long as you write one sentence a day, yeah. you're, you that's correct. You Absolutely. are a writer. And then, you know, maybe, maybe next week, two sentences, you know, who yeah. even knows. Expand. Um. So, yeah. So that is, I mean, I eventually turned out that I was a comedian. <laughs> um. I found Those myself. one
1: sentence grew to two, two to three, four yeah. to eight. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: yeah. This year I'm actually doing a thing. Uh, for fun where like I, you know, I kind of write all the time. I just have a digital recorder mm-hmm. with me all the time. Yeah. Um. I don't, you know, I'm not a sit like, I feel like, you know, Seinfeld shows up at the office, writes for two hours or whatever it is like pad, yeah. just like whatever. And uh, I, I do a little free writing, but mostly I just carry the recorder. And, you know, if I'm listening to a, I was listening to an Ezra Klein podcast today. Mm-hmm. That was great. And every couple minutes, it was so inspiring. I was like, I wasn't even writing jokes like about the things they were talking about, but it just, you know, like ignited, you know, pathways in my brain. And I was like, Oh, this is great and so just have those and then later I'll go back through them and yeah, it's there and uh, then you just it just came from
1: you and then you can go back with a finer tooth comb or whatever, so to speak. Exactly and figure and comb through it and be like, Oh, I like that line. That's and I wouldn't have written it if I hadn't felt that yeah. That rush.
0: Yeah. Like I mean right now I maybe I'll tell a joke about a thick-toothed comb. <laughs> and so in addition something that I have started doing this year is I'm like I'm going to write one joke a day and like Classic, I'm going nice. to write more than one joke a day yeah. but but I'm just keeping a keeping a record of every day I'm like well what's what's the joke or what's a joke that I wrote today and then at the end of the year I'll have 365 jokes um that's that's a that's enough that could be a cool hour too yeah i don't think it's gonna work but uh yeah i don't i don't think these are all gonna fly but uh is that not part of the fun though
1: yes because then you get you get all of them recorded and you're like well that one sucked okay didn't know that until
0: today that would be fun i did uh, i did just record a new album and in the preparation for it like i didn't know how much Material I would have. It turns out I had more than I needed, Mm -hmm. but at a certain point, I like went back through tweets from you know the past several years, and I'm like, which of these tweets I could I say out loud, and they could also be jokes. And so like at one show that I was prepping, you know, like two months ago, I like just had a notebook, and I'm like, now I'm gonna read you some tweets and see if any of them are actual out loud jokes. And like some of them worked, and maybe maybe the context was part of that, right? Um. But, like, I think some of them, even if I didn't tell people I was, you know, tricking them, like you tricked me here to dinner, uh, I think it would have uh, worked. I think some of them would work and some have, like, you know, that happens once in a while. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that maybe I'll do that. Maybe at the end of this year or the beginning of next year, I'll be like, here are 365 be so jokes. I think that'd be oh, awesome. 366 jokes. Yeah, all right.
1: Good news. Uh, yep, you have one more to write than typical. Anyway, the, but the point is.
0: Grasshopper is a restaurant, and uh, the block that it's on used to be, like, rife with other vegan restaurants. There were a number of them that have come and go over the years. One that I, I sadly miss, I think, is not there anymore, FOMU, the vegan ice cream place.
1: Dude,
0: um, it's gone. It was, it was incredible. There used to be a, a vegan pizza place there called TJ Scallywags, uh, or Scallywaggles, I think Scallywags. And, it, it, where, in that same building? Yeah. Uh, on that same block in that same stretch Uh, then there was like a a place that had heart in the name I forget like pure heart vegan food or something whatever it was model
1: is still there of course cool that's never gonna when the when the apocalypse happens and the cockroach is the only thing left, they'll be drinking at the model. Yeah, the
0: uh, the cockroaches, and they'll also hang out with the grasshoppers. Yep, and uh, <laughs> a bunch of insects on that street. Uh, but yeah, grasshopper, check out grasshopper. Go to Masao's kitchen. That's all I'm here to like. I mean, your food's good, and also, well, uh, of course, I, they
1: they started a a restaurant for uh, sure. Well, so vegetarian now. Perfect. Going back to that, was that a habit? How you were just talking about how you had to. Form it and say, like, I'm a vegetarian now. And it maybe started with one meal. Like, when, what was that, you know, did you yeah, great grow question. a veg or?
0: I did not. Uh, I remember, I feel like the first seeds were planted, so to speak. Uh I see what you did there. I seed what you did there. Wow. Uh actually that's the that's not the way that grammar is supposed to go. I'm here You've, not as a linguist to tell you. Well, that now you're, you're being doing a linguist. It wrong. No, well, no, no, if I were a linguist, I would accept it. Oh, that's
1: um, that's true. If you were like your cool teacher. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh sorry. I'm I'm uncool, not like my teacher who was cool. Um so when I was a teenager, I remember like that was the first time I sort of became aware of like vegetarianism as a choice that I could make, even though I, I was not like cooking my own food or really doing the shopping. So I didn't I was like at that point, it was just like, you know, a thought. Like, I think I'd if I could live without killing, that'd be better. I think that'd sure. be I'd love to not kill. So uh, even if you're not doing the
1: killing itself, you still are feeling like I'm taking part in it versus, like, this is sustenance. Yeah,
0: I, uh, like, the fact that uh, somebody else did the killing of the cow or the chicken or whatever it was, like... It's still being killed, yep. and and also like eventually, I learned about you know the horrors of factory farming. So it even became like not yep. like the killing was not the worst part of it. You know the how the, they kill. the suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not even how they kill it, but how they. Treat the animals while they live in, you know, how torturing. they live
1: and then how they kill, just yeah. the whole
0: thing is fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no good. Uh, you know, even places that purport to be quote free range or what have you could mean there's just, you know, a uh, a tiny window in the top corner of the murder floor, <laughs> their you know? cell, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so. But yeah, so it started as a thought. I'd love for to not be involved in this killing. They get the Rita Hayworth posters to the chickens at the. That's the. Oh okay, yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when I was in college, I think I was a sophomore around age nineteen. I was there were various uh, dining options. You know, in the in the mm. in the dining halls, like there was a vegetarian, like international food station that had different options all the time. And so I like started trying those. Got I, these it. are, some of these are good. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I talked to my, like my, none of my friends were vegetarian or anything, but I was like, I think I'm going to do this. Cause it, it's what I want to do. And then they would make, you know, hilarious jokes like, Hey, there's meat in that broccoli. And, uh, you know, classic. Uh, I don't know why they're not all comedians, but, um, they are funny, killer stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, literally. And, <laughs> um, so I, I remember this is – so I made the decision. I was like so – that's, that's like what, freshman, sophomore year? Sophomore year, okay. 19 years old. I was, I was like, I am going to try to be vegetarian. And I remember I think that night my friends and I went out to Chili's, you know, <sighs> the restaurant and there's like a black bean burger on the menu they have a couple things but i remember they had like a southwestern vegetable soup and i was like that soup sounds great a vegetable soup for my first day as a vegetarian and the wait person is like there's actually beef broth in there and i was like close enough you know but uh i didn't uh it's a first step yeah no i i did not get the soup i did get the bean burger And then it did become like, you know, just little by little one, you know, one step at a time. I was I really did have the attitude. You know, I hadn't yet read uh, Atomic Habits because it hadn't come out uh, and wouldn't for several decades. Um, But the the idea that I'm like, well, why don't I try it like better to try to live the way I want to live? And if I don't succeed at it, okay, then I won't. But what if I do like and I feel like that's like a broader message for, like... Absolutely. Like, That's there's a- no guarantee that you're going... You can't guarantee any particular outcome just by trying, but you can guarantee you won't get that outcome if you don't try. Uh, there's
1: always the what if.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, and... But if you, if you try, then you know. There's yeah. no what if. You're like, I can't do it. Or, <laughs> I can do it, you know, whichever and one. And things might take multiple tries, though, also. Absolutely. And so... It took, I, I was like, okay. And then like, I'd never had really until college Ethiopian food Mm -hmm. or Cambodian food or Indian food, even like there's so many people talk to me often and they're like, wasn't it hard, like limiting what you ate? And I was like, I actually started once I became vegetarian, like widening, like I previously only ate like for the most part, like pasta, pizza, burgers, you know, tuna, you know, like just like basic kind of American ish. Food, maybe Chinese food, you know, maybe Italian food, but not a ton of like Cambodian, out. Ethiopia, yeah. Yeah. and so like I truly, you know, eat so many more things now than I did as a child when I did when I was not vegetarian or vegan, and and then a couple of years later, so that it worked, uh, mm-hmm. it stuck, it was easy enough to do. Like I thought it would be hard. I understand when people are like, I can never do it. Like yeah. I, I mean, I also.
1: That not to jump in here but 1997 you're 19 years old Mm -hmm. like that combined 19 you know it's a tough change to make and then also though i feel like with that now you know there's more about veganism just health and stuff but like i feel like when i was you know growing up in the early 2000s even if someone an adult said they were vegetarian or whatever Other adults, people reacted of like, that fucking weirdo. What the, that's so
0: new wave. Oh yeah, not like today. Uh, But yeah, I I understand what you're saying. There's uh, waves of progress that are happening. Um, But yeah, back then it was, uh, the only vegan restaurant was Grasshopper. and (laughs) I mean, probably. Uh, There there were some other ones. I mean, the term vegan, I think, was coined in like 1944. Really? And I know some people, I've met some people over the years who've been vegan since, you know, like the 80s. Wow, yeah. Um, even, you know, like comedian Dick Gregory, uh, who was an activist, yep. you know, a, and wonderful, you know, like intersectional justice, you know, seeker uh, in the 60s, um, like really understood at the time sort of the the common struggle for, you know, civil rights for black people, for uh, all marginalized people, for women, for animals, yeah, you know, wow. for really uh, ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, so it's been out there. But yeah, I yeah, it, it really. So here's a joke. You know, when people say like, "Wasn't it hard? Isn't it hard on the road to find well, vegan nice food?" Yeah. And like, there's always you know, a Chipotle. Uh, that has, you know, some vegetable options. There's always an Asian restaurant that has the like, you know, like even worst case, like there's always a supermarket with produce, uh, you know, and, (laughs) uh, or, you know, there's a local park where you can graze on the grass, you know, that's (laughs) truly there always is something somewhere in mid mid two thousands. I was on a road trip with a buddy and we went through, uh, like sort of rural Louisiana and we stopped at a restaurant, and they didn't have anything vegetarian on the menu. I was just vegetarian at the time. Wait, was I vegan? I don't know. I think I probably was vegan at that time. Yeah, I probably became vegan in, like, the early 2000s. And so I was like, do you have – what do you have for, like, vegetable options? And they're like, I don't really know. And I was like, what about this pasta? Could it just be without the meatballs, spaghetti without the meatballs? And they're like, well, the the meat is in the sauce, so you'd, it would be just, like, plain dry spaghetti. And I was like, mm. And then I looked at the back, and I was like, oh – Hey, uh, you have pizzas, and they're like, yeah, and, they, and so they have. They're like, we don't really have vegetables. And I looked at the pizza toppings, and they had, you know, onions, mushrooms, uh, you know, olives and uh, peppers. And I was like, you guys have vegetables. You just call them pizza toppings. Uh, <laughs> um, That's Louisiana. <what> <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> I was able to eat there, and you know, well, you know, sometimes it takes a little planning, but for the most part. <laughs> Most cities these no days, reason. most, you know, uh, there's there's places. Anyway, uh, and if there aren't, everybody just come to Grasshopper. And, I hear Taco Bell
1: is uh, also a great, surprisingly vegan uh, yeah, option. Yeah, I've had
0: I sometime over the year. I haven't had it in a long time. Not my favorite, yeah, uh, you know, type of, you know, I mean, it's hardly even anything. It's like just a bunch yeah. of chemicals that. Uh, yeah.
1: No, I'm not yeah. here to defend Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm only a Wendy's guy. That's my only uh-huh. fast food. Uh, uh, and it's, it's.
0: But yeah, it's it's very so. I had a similar like hump to get over in my mind when when becoming vegan, Mm. like similar to becoming a vegetarian. I'm like, okay, well, this is the joke that I would that I told about it for years. Is uh, you know when I was like, if I'm gonna be vegan, like which you know aligns with like because you know the meat and dairy industries are interlinked. There's no way to get meat without also having cows that give you know it's the it's the same the same system um Fuck. and so i was like I think that's that not the joke. joke that's uh, hilarious that's it. i was gonna say uh, i was like that part where's the punch uh, mike goodbye <laughs> you know just uh, just sit with that uh this is my nanette and <laughs> uh i would say you know like well okay if i'm gonna become vegan i'm gonna have to learn i, I have to like i'm gonna have to read a lot of information yeah i'm gonna have to have ask a lot of questions I'm going to have to be really annoying. And then I was like, wait, I love doing all those things. So, uh... This truly, is perfect for yeah, me. I mean, honestly, now it's... It it doesn't take work to maintain it. it right,
1: because it's now an atomic yeah, habit.
0: I Yeah, it 100%. Look at you listening and demonstrating <laughs> that you listened by using back the things that you listened to. Uh, yeah, so... That's another place in Boston that I like, is the uh, the vegan district uh,
1: of grasshopper. <laughs> when was the last time you had meat? When, have you broken edge for
0: anything, or just... No, I mean, I, like, maybe accidentally every once in a while, if mm-hmm. somebody's like, oh, no, you, I, I we thought that, you know, yeah. but I, I couldn't...
1: Nothing kept... has made you say,
0: like, no. oh, give me that lamb lollipop, or, you know, something like no. that. No, you know, I, I really, you know, I don't mean to... Uh, make anyone feel any way but truly it's the the reason that I'm doing it is uh because of the, I want to treat you know all sentient beings with yeah. as much uh kindness as possible and so like you're probably I mean we talked about this uh I think off mic that when you invite people to your home uh for this podcast to serve them a meal you know Uh, If they don't know you, like, perhaps they are uh, not, you know, like, they're optimistic that you're not going to be poisoning them and murdering them. That's that's the plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so far, I have eaten your food and haven't died and don't, I mean. It just hasn't kicked in yet. and never will. Um, I hope your food has immortality juice in it. (laughs) But this is all to say it seems to me that you're not a murderer. No. So if I were to ask you like, so do you ever slip? Like what if you, do you ever, you ever feel like you, you know, what if you really want to, you know, I,
1: that's a good point. Now I see how you put it that way. Yes. Cause I have a different perspective of it, but to you, that is how you, I mean, do I want to slip? Sure. Sometimes there's people I want to murder. But
0: (laughs) but you don't. Yeah. You so far don't. Yeah.
1: So now this is, we're going to, we got to go to democracy soon. Mm -hmm. Um, this is how – it's fun now because the question that this you know little silly throwaway I have at the end of every episode – By the way, thank you so much again, Mike, for coming over. Uh, everybody who's listening,
0: he, you, has,
1: now. <laughs> he has four recorded hours albums out there? Five?
0: Um, I think there are currently six that are oh, available. <laughs> um, That's imp- and, so impressive just to begin with. And one – that is not available and another one that is also not so the in 2010 vegan mind meld vegan mind meld is my first album then meat robot uh came out in 2013 uh small dork and handsome which is an available as an album and a special currently on amazon cool uh came in 2014 2017 wait you went 13 to 14 back to back I did. I recorded recorded one in 2012, one in 2013, um, and then recorded No Kidding in 2016, and then uh, recorded Live In Between albums, which is the one I did at the Gas at Great Scott, and that okay recorded that in 2017, came out in 2018, but it came out only exclusively on satellite radio, and just (laughs) came was released more widely uh, this past year. Oh wow! Um, Wow, a six-year pocket. Uh, yeah, it was just playing, playing exclusively huh. on satellite radio um, until I recorded a second live in between albums to Rocky Mountain High mm-hmm. uh, in Denver. Uh, recorded that one in 2022, and that one still is exclusively on satellite, uh, but will be coming wide, out widely soon. And uh, because I also just recorded Live Between Albums three, which will be subtitled "Longer, Louder, Weirder." Nice, um, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> and, thank you. And so that one I just recorded, and so that those those two last ones are not available anywhere except for satellite radio now or soon. But the ones I mentioned: one, two, three, four, nice. five, and in twenty twenty. I released uh AKA. So yeah, there are there are 6 albums that are on all the streaming platforms. Uh, so that of- was
1: first just to me to be like, "Go check out this, go check out that." But now I actually have a question. Yes. What
0: I I'm sure they're all like your children.
1: You love them all equally the same. Which one are you the most proud of as a body of work? Sure, the- as from your perspective as the the creator. Yeah,
0: the I mean I I've listened back to them all recently for various reasons mm. and like they all have really I really love a lot of, like there's definitely some things on the earlier ones that I'd be like I'd say that different or not at all now <laughs> but uh aka is the the one that I recorded most recently uh that I would say you know when I was like promoting it the thing that I I don't, I don't remember how I succinctly put it but up until up until you know in the beginning i was writing jokes that i cared about about all kinds of things like Mm -hmm. just like whatever i could talk about you know like oh that people laugh at that i will say it you know and aka is the first album It's, it's short for all killing aside because it is a it is about love and compassion and not murdering those are the main topics and uh I thought I I wanted to sort of gradually over the course of, you know, the past decade and a half, uh, like went from like writing, you know, just an hour of jokes that didn't necessarily connect to striving to make like larger pieces that do. And this is that was the first one that like really like tied together uh, like there was nothing in the hour that wasn't there on purpose be- like it was jokes that i care about about things that i care about like it was no
1: fat just at all is there that you you want to be there it's not also like hey this is for you because you laughed at it it's like this is for me because i want to oh say yeah it.
0: there's like jokes i chose not to include in it because even though i like them and they're funny they just didn't go with the theme Cool. um and so yeah uh you know if you were if you want to listen to all of them go ahead and start at the beginning if you want. But, uh, yeah, A.K.A. is the one that if somebody's like, give me one, what what <laughs> one? It's the one that I would say that I'm, you know, proudest of, happiest with. It's the one that, you know, I'm the oldest, wisest, best parent of. Uh, well, they all are my children. But, uh, yeah, it is. And
1: you also have a ton of late night sets. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so true.
1: if you are... One of those people that's like, I can't listen to an hour of comedy. My hmm. attention span's crazy. And that's weird. I, I agree. I think it's strange. Yeah, so I don't strange. think you
0: should feel That's – you're a strange person. Yeah. You're, you just listened to an hour of a podcast. How could you not listen to like, – <laughs> That would be cra- that would be wild. Yeah, my comedy yeah. is uh, certainly easier to listen to than this podcast.
1: <laughs> uh, um, so the question that I was going to – Yes, please. It's – normally it's uh, – if there were no legal or societal consequences, what animal would you be most interested in trying? But we will obviously not do that. Yeah. If there were no bodily, like the bodily harm can stay. Have you ever like a plant that you'd want to try? Is there a fruit native to a place you haven't been that you are intrigued by that when you see it,
0: you're, like wow that just for whatever reason that looks delicious to me I mean I guess this is probably not the exact way to answer this question in the spirit uh, that it's intended or maybe it is go but... with whatever way you choose um so I, I mean the short answer is no there's nothing that I'm like oh man I wish I could have that thing but because I there's so much that I've had that sure. there's great abundance in fruits vegetables legumes you know and such Um. But uh, I so I have done, you know, some plant medicines, you know, your uh, Mm. ayahuasca. That was where my brain went right there. And so there are certainly plant medicines that I have not had. And I would say that those are the ones that, you know, have not been as yet accessible. Uh, And so, yeah, if uh, whatever, like I've been to I've done ayahuasca in the States mostly, but I've been I've done done it in Peru as well. And there was another San Pedro uh, is another plant medicine that we did once in that in the week of ayahuasca ceremonies. And so there's like all these different, you know, plants that uh, these, you know, folks in in the various jungles of South America have, you know, cultivated and uh, there are
1: have their own culture around like kind of their own religion in a sense of this is the healing
0: yeah and i mean it's it is medicine absolutely Uh, no this is very pro
1: psilocybin
0: pro psychedelic so yeah i uh i would say yeah that i don't i don't even maybe know like there's one that i've heard of i've heard of iboga uh ibogaine is a that did, that arguably yeah. made me more confused. Yeah. <laughs> one of it's one of the, as I understand it, most intense psychedelic experiences that you can have. I don't even know, maybe psychedelic isn't the right word, but it's like, like ayahuasca and DMT are one thing, and I, iboga, as I understand it, like it's really great for like getting people off. Uh, Unaddict like not addicted from things anymore really? and also it is one of the most i think intensely unpleasant experiences that a person can ever have and lost lasts a very long time and maybe seems even longer and so i don't know if i want to do that yeah. but like whatever things there are out there that i'm not even aware of yet uh that you know like i've done i've done variously you know i've done ketamine i've done psilocybin i've done uh you know ayahuasca and dmt and Uh, They all, I mean, have value absolutely uh, when you know when done in the in an ideal set and setting. Um, So yeah, I I assume, but yeah, the answer is whatever comes
1: your way in that sense of yeah. I'll say Eastern medicine, mm -hmm. herbal medicine.
0: I yeah, I don't think you
1: could say Western medicine for shrooms at all for sure. (laughs) Even though it is the
0: you know South America is in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, so ayahuasca is part of Western medicine. Um, yeah, I guess when you, tech, on a technicality. Yeah. Um, this is all to say, like the Dalai Lama once answered a question uh, by saying, "Like that's a good question, and the answer is very simple. I don't know." So, uh, yeah, I'll say, you know, who am I to say uh, differently than the Dalai Lama? I am. Well, I am different, so I said a lot more. <laughs> uh, but also, yeah. <laughs> Main answer, I don't know, and uh, no, I'm, I'm content. I'm happy to have eaten all of the vegetables that I have eaten, including the ones you may be today. Thank you so much.
1: Of course, and the ones that will get you high in the future. With that said, uh, thank you so much for hanging, Mike. Let's go do some stand-up. Whee! So, I'm going to put your Instagram handle. It's just Mike Kaplan, though, right? Yeah, and, everything.
0: Uh, it's all Mike Kaplan. Awesome. I'll
1: do Insta, X, TikTok, all, all the yeah, things. I can
0: send you. Links. No,
1: that's okay. I will find them you are the guest you have done your part which is show up eat and have a lovely conversation follow dinner at your place follow mike and thanks so much for listening guys love ya